If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. All right, everybody. We'll get started since the, uh, the gang's all here. Okay. Um, so glad you guys have come out. It's it's a gorgeous day out. You chose to spend it with me. I don't understand that, but thank you very much. That's, uh, thank you. Um, very briefly, I will send you a uh, a quick message from Randy. Randy will be stepping away from VFF for a little while. Um, he will become a transient member, more like Chris, uh, in, in, the, in the future. So I love this. I can just throw people under the bus. <laughs> She's brilliant. How they listen to this? Um, they never will. So just know if you don't see Randy for a while, or if he just pops in, you know, intermittently, that's the reason why he's he's uh, with things in his life. He has to step away. But he wanted you guys to know. Appreciates the group. He loves what's going on here. But at this time, he just has to, to step back. So. I said, we understand everybody has seasons in life where you have to, you're on thin, uh, thin bandwidth and you have something has to go. Um, although I feel like something else could go. <laughs> like his kids or something. Someone needs to pick up his side of the arguments now. So we have some true to debate so, those some, arguments. Some levity. Uh -huh. Where's David? Yeah, um, where's David? David's going to be out for a couple weeks because he's working on a film. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. so. And Chris is here occasionally. I feel like Chris comes more when we do it at your own house. I don't know why. I feel like he doesn't miss. If it's like, he, like, he likes to be out there in the nature. Yeah. But listen, yeah. these two right here, they contribute some good opposing. Okay. Uh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> what? Just, just called you guys out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when we were reading the road, we were reading the whole time, and you guys were like, you guys are insane. And for those of you in the podcast world, that is Ruth and Joel, who she was talking about. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, so we're rolling. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yes, we're rolling. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. The Great Divorce. How many have read The Great Divorce before? How, this, how many, this is your first time reading it? About half? Half and half. Did you even read it, Stephen? I read the first chapter. Then you had her up. He's in the mood to call people out today. Yes, I'll, I'll take it. both are. I'll take it. Busting chops today. Yeah. Have, you have you seen Scrubs? Have you seen Scrubs where uh, the janitor says busting chops today? It's a good one. Um, I'm telling you, I'm feeling the, the feel hot great. lemons, it's the nature <laughs> red. When Wes is like this, you know he feels good. <laughs> is that your second cup or your first? I don't care. Your first. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You see the twinkle in his eye? That's happy Wes, right okay. there. <laughs> All right. So, the great divorce. <laughs> Immediate reactions, initial reactions, you guys going through this. Did it challenge your theologies? Did it, did it bust your theological chops? Um, did you disagree with it and you're like, this is heresy and throw it in the trash? What, like, 
What were your feelings going into the first couple chapters? Because there's a lot he packs into just the first couple chapters that um, you know if, if, you, if you're going to stay on the bus, you're, gonna, you're in for a ride. Um, it's going to challenge you theologically. So uh, what were your initial thoughts going in? I think it did a good job of the prejudice setting our expectations. So this is what I'm trying to do here. Please don't go start arguing about <laughs> the details. Like, understand my point. Yeah, that was helpful. <clears throat> that is classic Lewis. Yeah, too. he's always like he's not the button pusher. He's more like he's he. It's like he pushes buttons, but he's always kind of puts an out like, "Hey, I'm no expert." But I'm not a theologian, guys. <laughs> you know, he always says that, which is so funny. Kind of puts a buffer in there, but we're like, no, you are all these things. <laughs> and he also, in Mere Christianity, he states, um, just because I've proved that God exists doesn't mean that I'm proving that the Judeo-Christian God exists. You're going too fast if you're jumping ahead. Don't go there yet. We're, we're not there just yet. So he always had the expectation, like, let's just deal with what we're dealing with here. Okay? So how does he... How does he walk the line, walk the tightrope on this. He sets the story up in a way that he's able to walk a thin line to stretch our imagination, to stretch our reason, to steal past the watchful dragons. What's something he does here, the way he, set, he sets the story, the preface, he sets it up. What is his main device he's using here? Because this is, some people call it a cheat, but I think it's brilliant. But what, what, what's the main device? He says this is a, a dream, right? This is just a dream. So it's not reality. This is not hard and fast. I'm not saying this is a fact. This is, modalistically, this is a possible world, right? This is a possible way heaven could be. So let me make my argument. So, so Lewis goes into, he goes into imagination. He goes into the literary world because he can still pass the watchful dragons and bring argumentation to you that you would otherwise annihilate. He brings the Hallmark movie to you in a way that you don't see that it's a Hallmark movie so, so that you're able to wrestle with that. <laughs> It'll be okay. <laughs> oh, I'm, I, I'm sure I have plenty coming. So I'm just... Wait a second, Wes, you do get your chops busted all the time, so don't yeah, worry. That's you fine. throw it out there. They all make fun of you. It's, it's all, it's all in, uh, in love. That's how I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. <laughs> Tokens of affection. <coughs> all right, so he sets it up as a dream, right? That gives him latitude, which is, at a, as a writer, that's what you want. You want the ability just to push the envelope. If he comes to it and he says, well, this is what this philosopher says, and he's, he's already boxed himself in, so now he has, kind of has free reign. All right? So... What struck you in the first little bit here of this dream that uh, did you have issues with, or did you like, oh, I like this point. He's, he's pulling on something here. I don't really, really where he's going with this just yet, but this is, this is intriguing. This is interesting. This is like my favorite Lewis book of all time. I just love this book. But what's great is that he just dumps you, right? He like, just dumps you. Like in media race, you know, just like, boom, he's on the street, he knows nothing, he's trying to figure it out. And it, I like what he does, which is kind of Chestertonian, because he like, 
everything that he sees and experiences is it, it's familiar because it starts off with just some dumpy little town and then but all of the he sees everything for the first time and it's all unique and not quite right I just like that sort of juxtaposition of things being off and you're sort of with them you know you're just trying to figure stuff out with them and uh, so what do great writers do Right? What do we say all great writers do in, in the story? They put you in the middle of the story and then work the right back. They put you in the middle of the story. So this is why we read Chronicles of Narnia in what order? The correct order. The correct order. That's right. Nice. That is the correct nice. answer. Yeah. The correct order. You belong in this group, John. For sure. That was arguments years ago. I will die on that hill. I will in the published order. Yes. So when, when, Mr. Beaver says to the Pevensey children, Aslan's on the move. So Who's Aslan? The White Witch. Who's the White Witch? Like, you don't know those things, so you're learning it as you go. So you get, you actually get to put on the avatar of the, of the Pevenseys, and you're in the story with them, and you're the, they're the vehicle through which you see the entire world. And so you know what they know. Your epistemology is their epistemology. We know what this guy knows. He's just some... Did he just die? Did he just wake up? Is this his first day in purgatory or hell or whatever you want to call it? And so you can see everything, but it's just off enough, isn't it? Uh, Steve and I were talking before class. Uh, class. <laughs> you always call it class. I do. I don't know why. That's your other job. That's my other job. Um, before group. It's like, that's out of therapy, doesn't it? In the world. Um, well, it is, isn't it? Yes. Before, before the fellowship. <laughs> there you go. Warm me up. Um, so that uh, in the Hunger Games and, and the Mockingjay, Peter was fed propaganda images mm -hmm. to hijack his consciousness. But he said he all he could always figure out which one was was uh, was given to him because it was glossy, shiny, mm -hmm. just off enough. Like this is this is. This is too queer to, this is not reality. This is something, something here is different. He learned to do that. He learned yes. to distinguish. He, he learned to distinguish. Yes, because it had, that, not real games. had that feel to it of going, yeah, this seems glossy and shiny, not like, and we talked about that. It, did, it was a foreign object coming into the, into the consciousness, and the consciousness knew it, it didn't create the image. And so it was different. It was, unique. It was, it was this unique thing. Um, does, it, does anybody find it interesting that he's drawn to the bus line because there is nobody anywhere? And then he's standing in the bus line and they peel off person by person. Mm -hmm. So as the people peel up, he gets jollier. He's happier about this. But he went there in the first place to be with people. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what are you trying to tell us about who you are? Do you want to be around people, but you don't want to engage with them? Like, what is that setting us up for? It's kind of foreshadowing, right? It's a good thought. Foreshadowing to perhaps we probably shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we. I thought it was interesting. So we have. Yeah, so we have this guy who has, he's, he's complex. He wants to be around people because there's no one in the town, but yeah. when he gets around people, um, he, he actually is happy when they start leaving. And he's not engaging with them. Yeah, he's, he's watching he's, what's happening. But I, I find that it's such a great little everyman device, though, because it's like that everybody does that. You mm -hmm. get in line. Uh, the Kroger, mm -hmm. yeah, and you're like, 
oh shoot, if I had gotten in that line, <laughs> yeah, there's two, they're two ahead of me now. If I had gotten in that line, <laughs> he plays this little game with himself. I'm already up two spaces. He's and like, have you ever been to England? Like, no. They love cues in England. Oh my gosh, they love cues. The cue is the thing, right? And there, there are unwritten rules of etiquette that they will stare at you if you accidentally, if you accidentally cut in line or something, and they will like just bore holes in you and won't say anything to you, won't won't, won't engage with you, but they'll move, grumping under their breath at you, uh, and, and and so they love their cues over this. So this is entirely English right here. Oh, an Englishman found himself in a queue. Like, that's, you know, on the nose right there, man. Um, and as people are peeling away, I'm moving closer to the front, like Joel said, yeah, it's like, yeah, I'm, yeah you get out of line, you get out of line, I'm going to get on the bus. But when he gets on the bus, that's only half full. Like, he was, he was the last one on, and he was fighting for position. He's like, oh, the bus is half full. So, um, he's on the bus, then what happens? You know you're in a dream because, well, magic school is like flying through the air, right? It's like, oh, we're, we're flying. That's odd. Okay, that's, that's kind of how you know you're in a dream, isn't it? When something happens, like you said, Joel, and it's just not right. It's like something's off. This person said something to me, but why did their face change into a snake? Like that was totally weird, you know? Um, or, uh, you know, I'm driving a car and suddenly I'm sliding up the side of a mountain. No, now I'm flying back onto the road. Oh, this is weird. So, he's flying up. Um, is that when they go through the crack? Is it coming up or no? Is that different? When they go through, when the bus goes that's through? That's a while. Okay. Yeah. That's a little bit later. Yeah. Okay. So, but they're flying up. It, it looks vast, actually, from, from the perspective of that. It's, they're just going straight up into, they're going up like, a, like an airplane. Um, did anybody have any things to say about the, uh, the people that was, that was around him? Any, anything catch your eye about his companions, his uh, fellow bus riders? Well, the, the characters, caricatures were just super relatable. And it, it, it honestly really struck me just how timeless they seemed. Mm. Like, like reading about the communists, and it's like, I've heard this from people I know. <laughs> like, right. this is like spot on. And then even later on, when he's talking to like, when he's talking to like, I don't know, the, the well-reasoned religious guy, it's like, this is like yeah. popular. Like this is like, it reminded me of Jordan Peterson a lot, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like just certain ways he talked where like, he starts talking about like God and, he's, and he says like, do you not even believe that God exists? And the guy responds, exists. Well, what does existence mean? Yes. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, I've, I've heard this before. I, I know like, that guy. <laughs> it's like, yeah. And so I just, I thought his caricatures were like spot on. Just, it surprised me how timeless they were. So I was like, I would have thought this, you know. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Every day, we rise 
challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. That description would have been written today. And that's throughout like, the whole book. I mean, it's just like... Mm -hmm. This book it, was written in like 1940. It's only going to get better. It's only going to get better. You. So I think what he does a very good job, and I've always said this about Lewis, and, and I'd be willing to have critique on it, but I, I really think Lewis steelmans his opponents, and he makes the best possible argument for their position, and then he presents you with the better argument and takes them down. He doesn't strawman them, he actually gives them the most, the, the highest, the ubermensch of, of their philosophy and says, this is the ultimate uh, uh, illustration of what your philosophy means, here's mine, and slowly begins to take that one apart. But he never does it underhanded. He always does it out in the open. And so he's, he's getting these timeless characters because there are several of these characters going through and like, oh, I'm this guy. Like, this would be me right here. Yeah. Um, for years, I was the man, I just wanted what I, I, just wanted what I was owed. You know, I wanted my rights. Like everyone, I, I want my rights. I want what's due to me. And uh, the angel's like, no, you don't. It's not, <laughs> that, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. You don't, you don't actually want that. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, that's great, Cody. He, he, he does these timeless, in a sense, they're almost, they're, they're, they're caricatures, but they're almost the archetypal mm -hmm. human depravity, right? Different types. Different types of our, yeah, our personalities gone to the depraved ends. Um, where we think we don't see any problem with it, but everyone else can see our flaws but us, right? That's kind of the thing. Um, all right, so uh, what do you think about the, uh, the lady s selling her position for five dollars and then getting short change? It's like, it, does money even work there? How does, how does that? How does that work? Uh, what do you, so also, what do you guys think about? Because uh, Ruth kind of brought this up. In, in the gray town, which is, I think, a perfect name for it. Um, huh? What'd you say just now? The gray town. The gray town. Yeah. <laughs> why don't people stay on the? Why, why aren't there communities in the gray town? They quarrel, they quarrel with each other, and then yeah. they move to the outskirts of town and think a new house. And is that wild? Just think a new house. Was <laughs> it inception? Right. You know, just, I like how how he debunks like there's so many modern like casual theories about how like all oh, these times where my friends will be you mm -hmm. know, see interesting people he just really debunks a lot of those concepts it's like it's not going to be interesting everybody hates everybody else they just quarrel and it's, it's going to be boring it's like he, he just kind of dismantled lots of those romantic or sloppy views of hell. Yeah. No fire and brimstone, though. Not at that level. Not at that level. Yeah. No. So what do you guys think about uh, the idea? Because this gets, this gets very theological. What do you think about the idea that Napoleon is thousands of light years away from from the gray town, 
and that other interesting characters are even light years away from Napoleon's the closest person of interest that they could, they could come to, and they basically found Napoleon what just. Walking in circles around his room, complaining about the battle he lost. Still blaming everyone. Blaming everyone else. Did they just say? I'm trying to remember. Did they just say ever so often they would move, like just to get further away. Is that kind of how yeah. they didn't give a timeline? They're just like every year that passes, usually they become less. Uh, no, it's just they they would. Uh, they just get annoyed and get annoyed and go and go somewhere and, further. Okay. Because if I could just get away from this person, then I'll be satisfied. Mm-hmm. And but there's no. There's no satisfaction. It's like, I was trying to explain to them on the way here. What was that play you told me about where it's like hell was other people for that person because heaven was like themselves? Remember you told me about a play that it ended and then it was only the guy left with no one else around him because to him hell was all these other people. You told us that last time we read this book. Wow. (laughs) It was so good. It was so good. I remembered it from you. Maybe I'll look it up. Yes, do that because... If I said something amazing, I'd like to remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, you I'd, me I'd like to have credit for that. <laughs> okay, let me look it up. I'll see if I can find it. But it just goes along with this. That's why. Right. So, like, there's a play done about this where basically all the people throughout the play, like they have their own vices and different things, and at the end of the play, the guy's left by himself because to him, hell was everyone else except for him, basically. Like selfishness was his heaven. Yeah. Well, and he also talks about uh, Milton's, right? That was that was Satan's thing. Was we'll make a, a heaven of hell rather than be in be in like a hell hell of heaven, right? Mm-hmm. That's what you think when you go into hell. That, oh, this is really interesting people. This is where, all, and then you get there. And it's like no, because essentially, if we read Matthew eleven um, correctly. Which is, is that, is that the one where he says, uh, depart from me, I never knew you? That's, that's Matthew, roughly, it's in Matthew, I can't remember. Seven. Matthew 7. Huh? No, it's, you cast out demons in my name, but I never Yeah, you cast out, so it's, it's uh, there's surprise people in heaven, surprise people in hell. No exit. Sorry, it's called No Exit. No Exit. Yes, that was the name of the play by, what's his name? Uh... John Paul Sartre. Uh, yeah, John Paul Sartre. Okay. <coughs> yep, that's what it was. It's called No Exit. And apparently, I'll give you more context in a second. Okay. That's the play. Um, so in, in, Matthew, in Matthew 7, he says, uh, depart from me, I never knew you. Um, and as we, is that, what we're, is that what we're going with here? Is the qualities that we have... <clears throat> of love and forgiveness and compassion and community, if those qualities are of God, like Aslan says of Tash, although he doesn't have those qualities, he can't accept those, and only the qualities that aren't of God are in hell, how could you ever expect to get along with someone, right? C.S. Lewis says in, in uh, I think, Mere Christianity, the moment that self becomes aware of self, it becomes selfish, right? So that's all that you would have in hell is you would have selfishness because those are only the qualities that don't come from Christ. That would all, that's all you'd be left with. So is, is that what hell is? Mm-hmm. No. It reminds me of um, Dante's Inferno, mm-hmm. where the lowest ranks were the betrayers. Mm-hmm. Yes. Satan himself is encased in ice, flapping his wings, and the flapping of his wings in an attempt to rise is what 
keeps the ice frozen and holds it in place. Mm. And it's like, mm. yeah. The doors to hell are locked from the inside. So that I can read you just like a little yeah, yeah. thing about this. It says, no exit depicts the arrival of three characters, Garson, Estelle, and Inez, in hell, which happens to be a drawing room. As the characters struggle to understand what sin has led them to hell and what their punishment may be, they quickly gather that there is no torture, no executioner, no flames to burn their souls eternally. It's just the three of them trapped in a deadlock. The other characters in the room are the punishment, as it were. The full version of the quote highlights the full boss, and it says, All those eyes intent on me, devouring me. What, only two of you? I thought there were many more. So this is hell. I never have believed it. You remember all, all we were told about the torture chambers, the fire and brim, brimstone, the burning moral, old wives' tales. There's no need for red-hot pokers. Hell, hell is other people. And so that just reminds me of this whole thing, just continuously moving away as far as you possibly can from other people, um, light years away at this point. Is that Napoleon that you said that about? Yeah. So what, what kind of theology is Lewis presenting here? What kind, of, what kind of hell is he presenting? Well, this is why it's a good follow-on to Leave by Nigel, because it's a good, it's a good Lewisonian mm-hmm. perspective of what a gradient of a purgatory-ish experience could be. Yeah. Uh, with a Frigideo, is that what he called it? Uh, is that what they, you guys, the refrigerium? Yeah, yes, that was, yes. Where Which the, is, the souls get to take a holiday from. Hell, hell from takes a holiday, right? Yeah. You go. Did you guys ever heard of that? Hell takes a holiday? No. Early church fathers thought that. And that's where this actually comes from, is the early church fathers who actually presented the idea of of this. So the, the if you guys are not familiar with it, there are there are several ideas about hell. Okay? There's exclusivism, which means eternal punishment. You screw up here, a tree falls where it lies, as Lewis says in, in there, and that's it. You, you you missed it, you missed it. You're done. You're in hell forever. Then you have inclusivism, which says there's a gradient. There might be a holiday. There might be a bus that goes from the gray town up into the outer skirts of, of heaven, which could be purgatory. You know, the great town could have been purgatory. So that's called inclusivism, which means you still have free will to change your mind at any point um, in your quote-unquote existence. And then you get to universalism, which says that Everyone at, everyone at a point in their existence will come to bend their knee to Christ, and everyone will come to heaven. Everyone at some point will get on the gray bus, on the bus in the gray town and come into heaven and become uh, and get to heaven. And then the fourth one is annihilationism, which says that it, it, uh, punishment is for a time and a season, and then at some point, once your punishment is served, you cease to exist in sort of like a nirvana type of blowing out. You cease to exist as never, of, of your existence being inconsequential. And the early church fathers developed these theories. Yes, these are, these are all four theories of Christianity, and none of them are orthodoxy. Christianity does not have an orthodoxy on hell. Mm-hmm. I think Islam actually, I don't know if anyone's really familiar with Islam here, but I think Islam is of the idea that there's kind of like a, line, you know, this to the right or to the left after you die, like, it's kind of like heaven or hell, but you 
have the possibility of leaving the bad line and going to the good later on. <coughs> um, I think that's part of their kind of belief system, if I remember. Could be. This conversation I had with a Muslim once, she told me that. But I just sounded like the second theory. It's not allowed. The merit. <coughs> Um, so the idea, what idea do you think Lewis is, is, is proposing here? Is it exclusivism, inclusivism, inclusivism, universalism, or annihilationism? Probably inclusivism. Just like he does in Narnia in the last hour. Just like he does. And again, Lewis is extremely consistent in what he thinks theologically and philosophically, and he writes it into his fiction, and it is extremely tight. Um, but it also kind of seems like, and I don't know what, where this is included with inclusivism, like, it's, these guys are, I mean, who has not read this whole book before? Okay. No spoilers. I won't spoil it. Yeah. So, but it, it's almost like we all decide our own fate, in a sense. Because, I mean, within that inclusivism, like, it's kind of that question, does God know, do, do we have a choice? Yes, we have a choice. Does he know what our choice is going to be? Yes, he knows what our choice is going to be. Does that mean we really have a choice? But there's, in this book, I think there's, it can, there, you know, we'll have to read further for us to discuss this further. Um, but I feel like there's an argument for kind of two, I don't know, not an argument, but like Lewis is, in a sense, also saying, for the most part, we kind of, make our bed and we stay in that bed. Most of us. And you guys opening up a can of worms. Yeah. I, I, I don't know I'm, if she realizes it at all. I'm, I'm, trying, not, I'm <laughs> trying not to comment yeah, because there's so many things I want to say right now, but I want you guys to experience Aslan on the move as you read this. Um, and so I'm trying to keep some of the spoilers back just a little bit um, because he really deals with the human heart here. It's so good. Like, Cody, you were talking about how you relate. was you that was saying that, mm -hmm. relating to characters. How, how, or how far have you gotten in the book? Uh, have you gotten I to... I just got like, the waterfall. Is that when they're getting to... No, that's... <clears throat> it's not very far. Okay, okay. I was asking The waterfall because, yelling at the man. Yeah, yeah. it's early. Because yeah. yeah. you're going to, like you will continue to relate and you'll continue to meet all these people and you're like, oh my gosh, this is people all the time everywhere. This is me all the time everywhere. Like, this is the whole book and that's what makes it so, I think that's why people love this book so much. It's like, oh, I understand that thought. I understand why he thinks this or why she thinks this. And oh my gosh, I know a person who is just like this. So this book is very relatable. Yeah, and I, I appreciate a lot just how it was refreshing, kind of just how black and white he is. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Certain moments where he's like, when he's talking to the guy who like wants his rights and stuff. And he's like having this conversation and the spirit's response to the guy is, you weren't a decent man and you didn't do your best. None of us were and none of us did and it doesn't matter. It's just like, dang, dude. And a little bit further down, then the guy gets offended over it because yeah. he's like, what are you talking about? Like, blah, blah, blah. Um, and he says, I'm not taking any impudence from you about my private affairs. And his response is, there are no private affairs. Uh, that rocks so me, man. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I dropped the book and went for a walk. I was like, oh, my goodness. Yes. It, just, it was humbling, honestly, like at a lot of different points, especially when he's talking to, like, you know, the really well-reasoned guy. And the guy's like, you know, he's got a lot of really, like, fancy talk about all this stuff. And he's really thoughtful and all this stuff. And he just kind of, like, picks him apart. And he's like, you don't believe anything. Like, like, yeah. Um, yeah. If you, yeah. No, you go. If you go to the the cover page, he's quoted George MacDonald. Yeah. And that's what you're you're making me think is he's quoting George MacDonald before he ever like lets us begin to read the story, and that's what George MacDonald was saying is there is no hell in heaven. Can it's you read this that quote? This. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, George MacDonald. No, there is no escape. There is no heaven with a little of hell in it. No plan to retain this or that of the devil in our hearts or our pockets. Out Satan must go, every hair and feather. Whew. Good. They can't, they can't. So, so I want to throw this out. This, this was an argument we had uh, <coughs> in, in one of my, my seminars. Uh, not that I hosted, it was, it was in Oxford. Um, uh, it was on eternal punishment versus inclusivism versus annihilation. It was, it was against these. There's an argument to be made that eternal punishment might not be correct. And here was the argument that was made, and it, it, it had me wrestling for a really long time. If hell is eternal, and you burn forever in hell, and you exist in your sinful state forever, and you, it is an eternal existence. Therefore, that eternal existence is eternal like God is eternal. That means sin is eternal and can never be done away with. And sin is coexistent with God. That was an argument that was brought up, and that's not easily dismissed in, in that regards. However, I think this book deals with that argument very well. And that's why I really like this. It that this book helped me with that argument because that that is that is the thing. If if sin exists and my existence remains forever and I resent, and I remain in my sinful state, that means sin is co-eternal with with God. How do we reconcile that? So, anybody have an answer? Susan, <laughs> I'd love to hear comments. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean. Completely push back and go, no, that's that's absolutely crazy. Let's hear five reasons why that that's 
If someone has a five list <laughs> reason thing ready, I would be impressed. <laughs> so there, there are, and then also, there is no orthodoxy for heaven either. This is why Lewis, in the dream, modalistic literature here that he's doing, he has latitude because there is no orthodoxy, in, not in orthodox Christian, uh, uh, orthodox Greek, uh, Roman Catholic, there is no orthodoxy on what exactly heaven or hell are. And so we have ideas, but there's never been, no, oh, this is exactly what it is, it's eternal punishment, heaven is, is you know, is streets of gold, it's all sort of a, a bit. What What is the... Judean theories on that, though, like do they have it set up for what it is that we would have ours based off of that. Jude Judaism, yeah. Judaism doesn't have a hell like we have. Um, when when they say Gehenna or Hades, they're not speaking of an eternal lake of fire and stuff like that. It's um, I can't remember exactly what it is, but even even loose, even Satan is is very different in, in Judaism. So where do we get our our Ideas. Plato. Them. We get them from Plato. And Aristotle, yes. <laughs> well, there's two different words in the Bible that mean hell, and they're translated the same mm -hmm. in English. So hell is hell, yeah. but there's you know, the two yeah. separate ones to be thrown out of the city. It's like pushed out of the city, and then another one is to be like like Hades, like mm -hmm. fire, um, buried under a cemetery kind of thing, like in the underworld, Which, basically. Yeah, Why did we take it from that instead of from the underworld? Well, because the, the, yeah. the early church fathers didn't explain it in a way, and so... Plato comes through, and I think it's Plato in the, in the forms. Uh, he talks about the forms in Aristotle. And there's forms, or huh? So in, in, in the forms, uh, like the there there is Ruth's existence. But there's a Ruthness about Ruth that is the true Ruth mm -hmm. in that thing. And so this there's this form to everything, and we sort of get our idea of the soul from from those writings because no one in in Christianity had had pushed into that as, as deep, and so it made sense, and we sort of adopted those things into our, so most of the understanding that we have comes from Greek philosophy on, on heaven. When the fathers were focused on Christology, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, I'm not saying that it's, I mean, I'm not saying that Plato's necessarily wrong, or Aristotle, they're, they're, they're wrong in their approaches, but, um, we just don't know, and so that's why there's no orthodoxy on it, because we, we just don't know what it actually is. And so that gives us room to, to wrestle this out and go, uh, which one makes sense? And I would, here's, here's the way I would come at it. I would come at it like Lewis comes at it with atonement. And I love this in mere Christianity, when he says, atonement, we don't know how it works. Is it penal substitution? Is it Christus Victor? Is it ransom theory? we don't actually know. Here's what we know. We know that it does work. So if, if penal substitution helps you and brings you and draws you closer to Christ and increases your relationship with him, hold on to it. If Christus Victor, if that brings you closer, if, if ransom theory, whatever theory that you have about the atonement brings you closer to Christ, hold on to it. But when it's not effectual for you, then hold on to something else. So I would say heaven and hell are much the same, much the same way. Whatever you can, whatever you can muster right now, whatever concept works for you in this moment, then I would hold on to that. Our, as Caitlin loves to quote, our image of God is not, not divine, divine, but it must be shattered thousands of times, and it's He who does the shattering, mm -hmm. right? 
And so you hold on to what gets you through the day now, and then tomorrow you might come to a greater concept because he's given you more, you've had more experience, or he's given you some epistemology, the Holy Spirit's spoken a truth to you, and you're able to take another step with it. And so you don't have to have it all right now. You just have to continue to grow and grow closer to Aslan to move more in that direction further away from Tash because McDonald says there is no little bit in and a little bit out. Right. Now we see through a mirror darkly. Um, yes. Stole my words. Good job. <laughs> exactly. If you go to the preface, it says, if we accept heaven, we shall be able to even retain the smallest, mm -hmm. most intimate souvenirs of, of hell. And that's very, <coughs> like, for me, I would go, like I'm wrestling with that and then it says I believe to be sure that any man who reaches heaven will find that what he abandoned even in plucking out his right eye has not been lost that the kernel of what he was really seeking even is in his most depraved wishes that part chokes me up too yeah I hate that um <laughs> Yeah, so so let's 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 go off that and let's pull this with with Miriam what she just said. Is it the glass that is dark? Or is it our perception that's dark? He he, he called us man what? Man shaped translucent. So is it my eye that's not fully formed so I can see correctly? That's what I think. It's, it's, we're seeing through the mirror darkly. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say it's a dark mirror. It says yeah. we're seeing darkly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's our state. Reality is real. Mm -hmm. like, see, we, we have this idea because scientists said this is, the re this is the real thing. Actually, this is the vapor. This is the translucent shadowlands existence. Reality is actually beyond this. It's the real Narnia that the Narnia is a type and a shadow of. But we can't see it, as he says, until we have faces, mm -hmm. till we have faces mm -hmm. too. But we're not, we're not there yet. And so we have, this, we have this paper fire that we're trying to warm ourselves with. And that's the best we can do right now. And so that's, why, that's, that's one of the reasons why I tell you guys to come with your personal heresies, to come with your vices, to come with your questions, is because we had to wrestle this thing out. And you guys might have something that I need. I might have something that you need. And we can each shatter the image a little bit and rebuild it so that we get a little closer to Christ each time that we do it. Yeah, and we all, and we all have glimpses of that too. Like Paul saw things he didn't even have language for, and he took that to the grave. So like, we don't even know what he saw. And we have different pieces of what new earth is supposed to look like. We have ideas of what hell looks like. Whatever it is, we don't want to go there. Whatever the bad place is. So it's, yeah, it's kind of wild how everybody has different views of it, different revelations, different understanding of the scripture, so. Pretty cool. Reminds me of us of uh, meditations in a tool shed, like looking along the beam versus looking at the white beam. Mm -hmm. an awesome revelation. That may be one of the that may be one of the greatest illustrations mm -hmm. that has helped me in, in my life. Yeah. If you guys are familiar with that or not, um, meditations in a tool shed. Could you just send it in the or Mary maybe can send it. It's, it's not that long. Yeah. Uh, could you send that to the other? It's an essay that he wrote. It's, it's a small essay. Yeah, I'll give you the gist of it though. It's a Lewis essay. It's a Lewis essay. 
So he goes into a tool shed and closes the door, and it's sunny outside. Sounds like Mr. Tommy. Again, most of Lewis's stuff is borrowed. I won't say stolen. It's, it's borrowed. Um, and there is there's a hole through which there is a beam of sunlight coming through. And he walks in front of the sunlight, and he sees outside, and he sees the trees, and he sees the clouds, and he sees the sun. He sees 90 million miles away through that little hole. Because he's looking directly into the beam of light. When he steps back and he looks along the beam, he sees things in the tool shed. He sees dust flying through the air. Looking at the beam and looking along the beam are two different things, two different perspectives that you need the full circumspect view to see everything correctly. If you just stare at the beam the whole time, you won't get that. That's why you need the reason and imagination both. There has to be both concepts. You have to be able to reason, but you have to be able to, to imagine to get that full understanding. It's like we talked, um, we talked about this before we read that, but he, his two books, um, The Problem of Pain and then A Grief Observed, like yes. those are basically like the flip side of the same coin. So yes. it's like um, the analytical version of like what pain is and suffering and like how to deal with that from an analytical perspective, like what that means versus like his true version of like emotional, like all of that that's like personal to him. And so you get to see both of those sides and they're both equally as factual and true, um, but it's totally different. So that's kind of like where we that came into play. Talk about that last. It's really good. Well, I mean, that's we've already, we've already covered a lot of ground in just a little bit of time. Um, <clears throat> I, I mean, this. I want you guys to be thinking about what your understanding of heaven is, your understanding of hell. What camp do you kind of line up in? And then after we finish the book, I want you guys to reevaluate and think where you, do you still hold to that? Do you still think that is, um, that is good? And I would say, Lewis would say himself, don't take my word for it. Did I make a good argument? Was I compelling? Um, the, uh, I, I loved it. And when he saw himself in the light for the first time, he saw himself as he was, as he said, translucent. I, I, I think that sets us up for, I don't know who mentioned it, but humility, right? Uh, Cody, you were talking about that, about um, it didn't matter. You weren't very good. You didn't do the best you could, and none of us did, and it doesn't matter. That we need to see ourselves as, as this translucent thing, this man-shaped stain, who we're not gonna do our best. We're gonna try, but we're not gonna get there. And it doesn't matter. Because it's not, a, in the end, it's not, a, it's not about that, it's about him. It's about Christ and what he did for us, not what we did for him. Because we can never measure up, ever. That is the difference. What brought me, what, one of the things that brought me back from atheism was this Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Ocean. That every religion, every philosophy I looked at, 
I was the savior. My salvation was up to me. In Nirvana, you know, and, 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 and Buddhism, I, I had to attain Nirvana. Um, in, in Hinduism, I had to do good so I would come back and, uh, and the, the karma would reincarnate me into the Brahma. Um, so I could attain the, the frequency of Atman and, and all that. In, uh, even, even in Mormonism, even in the, the, the Christianity part, I was, it was up to me. Like, oh, Jesus saved you once, but it's your, you have to stay saved. You know, and it's like, you, have, you messed up, it's over. But even all the philosophies, human, uh, humanism, uh, Confucianism, they're all, all the weight is on your shoulders. And I say, ugh. I'm screwed, because I'm a, I, I'm a screw-up. And Christ says, oh, I know that. I know that. That's why I want you. I, I don't want your best. I want, I want the weak part of you. That's the part I'm going to redeem. No. So when Lewis says that, when you hear the, the voice of a God, you can sometimes mistake it as a man. But when you hear the voice of God, you never mistake that for a man, because a man would never say, oh, that weak part of you, that's what I want. That's what I'm going to redeem. You're like, ah, what? that doesn't make any sense. It's like, because it doesn't make sense. My kingdom's not of this earth. Destroy the temple in three days and I rebuild it. Like, none of the stuff he said made sense, but when you heard it, you're like, something's different about this. Some, there's, some, there's something going on here. This is, this is revolutionary. So I think that's what we can... Um, and even the, even the man on the cross next to him. It's like, there's something different about this guy. I don't know what's going on down here. These different groups that are mm -hmm. fighting and making fun of him. I know what I did to get up here. What did he do? <laughs> and he, all he said was, hey, remember me. He didn't even have to do anything. It was just faith. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's something that God brought up to me today. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. The humility. Yeah. So Lewis sets up everybody in a very, very steel man format. So let's, uh, really quickly, let's, uh, did, did everyone get to where they land on the runway of heaven? Everybody get there? What are your, th what are your initial thoughts about heaven? Is it what you pictured? Is it? Well, it's kind of like the, it's more like the gates to heaven, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> yes. The entrance. However, Maybe. if you choose it, <clears throat> it's retrospective. So, um, I guess it depends on where you're at um, the, here. Yes. How uh, it is. And they call it the, the valley of the shadow of life. The valley of the shadow of life. I haven't reread it yet, so I'm trying to remember like exactly what. The initial reactions of him stepping onto the grass for the first time. I love that. So great. It's just so good. It's just so genius. I mean, he, he just, he, again, being this very Chestertonian, he takes, he just makes such a strange, he just makes such a strange, I just love his imagination. Is that he's got so fertile. And yet, if I relate to it, so and Wes and I comment on that. Literally, it comes into a conversation so often. We'll be like, it's like we're, it's, it's too hard for us to step on. Or, you know, it's not, we're not, we're not quite uh, solid yet. You know, not like, 
it just comes up in so many issues in our lives where or we see other people experiencing something and we talk about like the flowers and the and the water <clears throat> it's just it's so good we're not, not solid enough to pick up the smallest acorn <laughs> yes in uh, heaven it's amazing uh, and yet a bird can bend the grass <laughs> but i can't bend the grass i I kind of feel like in that moment, it's almost like a Job moment. When God comes down and says, where were you when I hung the stars? Where were you when I did this? Where were, I, where were you when I, I created this? Where were you, da, 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 and just go through this list. You can't bend the grass. You can't eat the food. Like, what makes you think that what you did on earth, you know, your best is your translucent. That's your best. Your best is, you can barely even be seen in this world. That's your best. But we can make you more solid if you want to stay. So the birds can bend the grass in this book, but we can't? Well, yes. yes. Right now? Yeah. Is it, and this is in... Not the people who are actually in heaven, though. Right. Just so, the so, you, so, so as soon as this happens, there is um, there is a... A welcome party mm -hmm. of solid people. Yeah, friends and family. Yeah. Friends and family. Well, I may be interpreting this incorrectly, but it, what what it made me think of was how in Matthew six it says, "The like look at the birds of the air; they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than them?" But I think the thing that they have that we can lack is that they don't try to earn, again, going back to this idea, um, like they have complete trust that the Father will take care of them. And I think like being able to, how solid that makes them to know that they don't have to earn or sow or reap, but like for, for a human point of view, especially if you're in hell, you'd probably try to live your whole life like that and how that isn't better than you would be if there'd be no weight to you, if you had that mentality. So good. Oh, for, you know, yeah, nature in general, it just, just come from our, our farm learning. <laughs> but, like, you know, birds are just doing what birds are meant to do, and they're following their instinct, and they're living. Their birds are birding. Cows are cowing. You know, they're doing their, yes. their thing. There is no other thing to do other than that. And, like, as humans, I mean, this is a really good point. That's what we're meant to do. We're meant to be who we were created to be. So if if we're not humaning down here, then when we get there, we're we're less human than we should be. And only when we spend time humaning in the shadow of, of, of the, the shadow lands of light, in the shadow of life, then we become more solid when we're doing the thing we're supposed to be doing. Which is being truly human, which is Christ, which is Christ. Christ, so then that becomes yeah. in us. Following Him. Yeah. Yeah. Just brings a good point to me. Look at that. <laughs> right on. Mm -hmm. Off the top rope. <laughs> the top rope. It's a wrestling term. Wrestling. That's a country term. We get it. Next to him, I get it. All right, so I, I think we have uh, a lot to. To, to think about because I really want to get into the conversations next time because there's some good stuff and again I 
I find myself just going, why this guy's argument's good? Why is it? Why isn't an argument good enough? Why isn't the intellectual's argument good enough? Why isn't the man who wants his just rights? Because I find myself with those people, and I'm just going, mm, this should be good enough. And Even the person who just wants to do stuff for other people, he's like, yes. this isn't for my own health. Like, I just want to come up here so that I can bring commodities back and help everyone. It's like faith through works kind of thing. You know, it's a big argument against that. Yeah. Like sometimes even giving, being a servant isn't good enough because it's still earning it. You know, mm. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a Mary and Martha thing too, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I'm just thinking about the kind of the thread of like how he's painting people and what they need. Because the picture at the beginning that he has of these people in hell is like, they don't need anything. They can go to the next street and just like think up a new house and then they have everything they need. And the reason they're not together is because they don't need anything from each other. Like that's his whole thing at the beginning is like, you know, on earth everyone's together because we have all these needs and you can't satisfy all of them yourself. Mm. So it's like you're together because you can't just think up everything you need by yourself. But here you can do that. Mm. And they do it and then they like, you know, end up way out alone by themselves mm. in the cosmos or something. But at the same time, it's like, Oh yeah, they have these houses, but they don't actually protect them from like the rain or anything. Like, and like, you know, Lewis is—I mean, his character or whatever—is just kind of confused. Like, what are, you, what are we even talking about? But it's like, it's just interesting because it's like in hell, it's like they have everything they need and they can think up whatever they need and just like end up more and more isolated, as opposed to like in heaven, there's just like this insistence on dependence, mm. where it's just like you have nothing you need and it doesn't matter. Mm. It just doesn't matter. Yeah. And if you can just acknowledge that for yeah. once, like, that's kind of the key to the whole thing, you know? And humility is asking for help. Pride is saying, I don't, I got it. I'm self sufficient. We're treating our desires for Him. <clears throat> and, yeah, that's very interesting because they, uh, was he talking about the building the houses? Um, they're back in this, but they they have stuff, but it's not really it doesn't really satisfy. It's not the thing that satisfies yeah. them. But it's instant gratification. So I can just build a house, I can think a house and build it. But that's not what they really want. The thing they really want is consistently out of reach. When the thing that you want is consistently out of reach, the thing that you need and desire is consistently out of reach. That is hell because you can never attain it. eternally. You, maybe eternally, it's, it, it, it's out of reach, right? But back to the preface, if you will give it up, then you will actually have what your kernel desire was. Yes. That's, and that's what he says in the preface. And, that's, and that actually is the kernel of inclusivism. If you could and you would, at any part of your <coughs> conscious existence, trade your desires for him, you'd be made solid. Are you willing? All of Lewis's stuff just fits together. It's so good. The Shadowlands argument just keeps popping back up. All right, so uh, we, we'll get into the, uh, the arguments next time. Um, <clears throat> not the arguments, but the relationships. <clears throat> and... 
Yeah, I'm really excited to see what you guys think about the characters and their development. Because um, you give me a fly on the wall in this, and it's, 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 it's a good wrestle. And once we get finished with this and we get into Weight of Glory, that's... So glad we're ending on that. I mean... So I feel like when we did this last time, there were so many arguments about this book, like in good ways. There's just so many different opinions about like, this is totally wrong, this is right, he's on the right track, I don't agree with him whatsoever. Like there's so many back and forths about this the last time. So ending on Weight of Glory is just like a breath of fresh air. Let me throw this out. Do you think the Grey Town is, is a good parallel to the dwarves? To the Narnia? To the dwarves in real Narnia? Could be. Never thought about it. Because they just, they're for themselves. And the dwarves are for the dwarves. Mm -hmm. for the dwarves. And, and they're then, completely ignorant of what's, they, mm -hmm. they have been shown Narnia, real Narnia, but they don't see it because they're for themselves. Could be. They're not going to be taken in. They're eating everything that's, that's this great thing, but they don't see it as, as such. They imagine it as something else. Slop. Slop. Yeah. They're seeing darkly. They're seeing darkly. Mm -hmm. At any moment they chose not to be for the dwarves, but be for Aslan, they would, real Narnia would open up to them. Oh, that book makes me so angry. All seems foolish. <laughs> <laughs> makes you angry? It was my favorite one in the series. It was Nia's least favorite. I, here's the thing. I love the book, but I hate it because I get so angry and it makes me cry and it makes me hurt. Like, uh, the series of emotions, what? Is this a sign that you care? <laughs> just, voice of the heart. She just spews out voice of the heart these days. <laughs> but, it, yeah, every time I read that book, it just, like, breaks my heart mm -hmm. into a million pieces. It's Up just, until the last 20 pages, it's devastating. Oh, it's oh, it so is, yes. devastating. But the last 20 pages are so yeah. incredible. Like, the dwarves. So when you brought the dwarves, I'm like, oh, those dwarves, they were so awful. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, just all the, so, uh, oh, the book. Too much. <laughs> Too much. Oh, it's, it's a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece. Give me the Dawn Shredder. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so we're good for next week. I hope everybody comes back. This is a fantastic group here. And uh, I look forward to <clears throat> hearing all your comments about the characters, which ones you related with, which ones you wanted to kick back to hell. <laughs> And uh, you said good riddance, too. All right, that's all we have for tonight. Further up. Further in. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.